and welcome to Making It to the Mic, a podcast about how different voice actors got to where they are today. I'm your host, Stephanie Pam Roberts, and this week's guest is Allegra Verletza. Allegra is a non-binary voice actor who works in several genres, including commercials, explainer videos, and PSAs, and also just recently completed their first audiobook. We talk about how they made the leap into full-time voiceover during the pandemic and what it's like as a non-binary person in the industry. There's a lot of really important information, so let's dive in. Here's my conversation with Allegra Verletza. Hi, Allegra. How are you tonight? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited that you are here with me tonight. Yay! So I'd love to start by asking you to tell us about your voiceover journey. How did you make it to the mic and what did you do before voiceover? Big questions. I love it. Okay, so are you ready for like... A lot of stories. Yes, we love stories. So I come from a theater background. I did theater all growing up. My premiere role was Jafar in Aladdin Jr. at the age of 12. Um, There was a lot happening in that production with me being a 12-year-old person playing an older man. There's a lot of gender play happening so much, but it was pretty, pretty hilarious and fun. But yes, born in Brooklyn, parents moved to Shaker Heights to take a dance job. I come from a family of dancers. That's a cool, fun thing. Um, So yeah, grew up in Ohio, theater, and then I went to school for playwriting um, at Purchase College. I really liked writing plays, and that was super fun. Spent two years there and was also just, you know, young, figuring out all the things I wanted to do. Took a gender studies class. I was like, this is lit. I love this so much. Um, And so I took a semester off. I transferred to Hunter College, and then I studied gender studies for two years um, and got my degree in that and started really melding kind of these two big spheres of my interests, theater, performance, creative storytelling, and feminism, queer theory, social justice, um, freaking helping people and making the world a better place in like a meaningful, real way and understanding the world. And then I even put a play up um, my senior year at Hunter as part of like a thesis project for an intro to LGBTQ studies class. They were like, you can write a paper or you could do whatever you want. I'm like, I'm going to write a play because I used to do that. Um, And then I put it up at Dixon Place. And that was really like a cool culmination of a lot of my interests. And then I was like, I think I'm done with playwriting. I I did the thing (laughs) that I kind of wanted to do. And it was um, different than I thought it was going to be and that it's really hard to be a playwright, so go playwrights. And so I dove into the exciting world of social justice nonprofits, uh, which is such a layered and interesting and amazing and cool and exhausting world, (laughs) Um, as I'm sure many people who can work in nonprofits uh, can attest. It was a lot of things, and I learned a lot about what I did and didn't like in terms of that kind of work. And so I took a break, and I was like, okay, I'm deeply unhappy, and I need to change that. And so a a lot of what I was thinking about was like returning to kind of my fire, like and following my fire. Like, what's my fire? What what's been keeping me alive through, frankly, this hard time? And I was like, cartoons. Mm. I freaking love cartoons so much. Just since I was young and through to now, and I really got back in touch with my love of animation during that time in my early 20s in a very unapologetic way and started connecting with a lot of adults who are like, 
yeah, no, I still love cartoons and and not like the Bob's Burgers of the world, which like go off. But like, no, 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 no. Like I, I love the content that Cartoon Network is currently dropping <laughs> and really seeing that there was more queer representation in um media and and especially cartoons than ever um and also hello hi i am queer and i am non-binary and my pronouns are they them and i'm sure we're going to talk about that a lot um but yeah i saw my i started seeing myself in cartoons for the first time and it was so emotional and amazing and something that i didn't even know that i was missing because i didn't even notice that i wasn't getting it because it was so normalized for me to not see myself particularly Mm, in animation mm -hmm. um and so particularly shows like steven universe just were really providing a home for me um and i highly recommend that everyone of all ages watch it and yeah so i was like i I think i want to take a voice acting class and then i started it started to really click for me i'm like I'm also like obsessed with these voice actors and I always have been and I know a lot of facts about who voices what and I get really into it and I wasn't even noticing that I was getting so into it and being like, oh my goodness, are you serious? Like Kimberly Brooks voices like Jasper in Steven Universe and also Allura in like the Voltron reboot and also like this person from like a childhood cartoon I love, that is bananas. And just making those connections of these incredible voice actors with multi decade careers and all these shows that I loved. It was really inspiring. So was going to take a class, but then my cat got sick and it was very sad. And unfortunately she passed away, but she lived an amazing life. Her name was Myrtle. Shout out to Myrtle. And so that delayed me a little bit in terms of my timeline, but actually universe works in wild ways. Um, So then I took a, uh, in terms of work, I took a break. I worked at a, I went back to working at this sex shop that I worked at that I really loved. I was a sex educator at the Pleasure Chest in the West Village. Loved working there, but did not pay the rent. So I was like, all right, we got to turn this thing around. And so I decided to get back into nonprofits. And then I got a job as an office manager at Green City Force, um, an environmental justice nonprofit, particularly serving low-income communities um, who live in public housing. They do incredible work. And I really found my love of admin. I really did fall in love with, like, systems and being organized and, you know, just figuring out how to, you know, make things work better for myself and for a group of people. So that was really special. And I was really getting into that. And at the same time, like kind of saving my my pennies for voice acting. And then kind of a wild thing happened where I was talking to a colleague recommending uh, cartoons for her kids as I do. She was like, oh, my sister works in animation. And I'm like, excuse me, stop, halt, tell me everything. And she's like, yeah, like she worked at Nickelodeon forever. Um, she got her degree in children's media and uh, now she works at DreamWorks. And I'm like, that is so cool. And then unprompted by me, she just connected me with her sister and was like, you two should chat. You like have a lot of interests in common. Cool. Her sister was so kind and having a full phone conversation with me where I just asked all about her job and she works specifically in the development of cartoons. And I'm like, that is just incredible. And then she was like, I can connect you with someone in casting at Nickelodeon. And I was like, sure, that would be lovely. <laughs> like haven't acted in years, but like, yes, that would just, I, what I love about this story, it was like my passion leading the whole way and not like, yeah, totally would love to connect. I was just like, yes, please. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then this person at Nickelodeon literally got in-person coffee with me for an hour and a half 
and just chatted with me. And we talked about representation in children's media and cartoons. She was like really involved with like the diversity initiatives at Nickelodeon. And it was just magical. And I was like, yeah, I really want to I really want to get into this. These are the coaches and classes I've been looking at. She kind of confirmed who she would recommend. She gave me a few more recommendations and and that was it. And then I was and I, I walked out of that coffee shop and I hit add to cart on a class at Shut Up and Talk. And I was just kind of off to the races with classes. And so started studying, loved it, and was getting a lot of messaging like, we know you love cartoons, but cartoons are on the West Coast. So if you're in the Mm -hmm. East Coast, it's going to be commercials. And I was like, you know, whatever. I'm starting to love this commercial thing. This is cool. And I'm just going to keep going. And then our our favorite pandemic hit. We always come back to it. We always do. And I got laid off from my job. Um, and so I decided, being on unemployment, let's just do it. Let's do this voiceover thing. So I went really hard on classes. I built my first like little booth. I recorded my uh, commercial demo with Elizabeth Bonnell at Shut Up and Talk, in surrounded by a comforter in my partner at the time closet um, on a USB mic. I'm kind of shocked still when I listen to my demo. I'm like, that that doesn't sound like that. Way, way to go, that engineer. But, you know, did the best I could and then signed with a manager in fall 2020 and was off to the races full-time auditioning. And since then, it's been growing and going. That's amazing. I love that the circumstances of the pandemic, while obviously very crappy, were the impetus for you to just say, Okay, I'm doing this. Yeah, it I feel very grateful um and I also always applaud my my love for seizing a moment. I really I really love going for stuff. I really love doing stuff. I really love starting stuff. And that's something I've I've always, you know, grappled with, but I I I I leave the party when I want to leave the party, which is something my mom always recommended. Like, don't don't stay at something too long. So there's a lot of jobs on my resume, but it's it's because I when I'm not when I'm not feeling that fire, I like have a talk with myself. I say, what are we doing? Where do we want to go? What do we want to do on to the next? Um, So, yeah, voiceover was that next thing. And I'm very pleased that almost two years later, I still love it. And that's that's really special. And it's definitely not perfect but like I have a session and I'm like oh that was so cool that was so cool yeah I love that I I think it is hard when you've been at it for a while that that magic can fade but I love that you're still holding on to it I think that's so important yeah it feels kind of like one chapter after another and I and I'm always excited kind of for the next like I don't know the next the next page of this voiceover book and it things are really feel like they're building for me right now I can like feel the momentum and I I've worked really hard in therapy frankly to just approach this in a healthy way and and know that there's gonna be you know waves to it and not put my self-worth on the line and just be like hey, this is something that I really love doing and I'm lucky enough to get paid to do it. And I'm just going to I'm just going to enjoy enjoy it. That is such a great healthy mindset to hold on to. So I guess since you started during the pandemic, you kind of had to build a home studio right away. So what was that process like? 
Um, so I took this really amazing class um, at Shut Up and Talk with Elizabeth Bunnell and Jen Sukup and uh, called The Voice Actor from Home. And they had a really big component about building a home studio. And so with that, they had an engineer come in and really talk us through, you know, more than more than just kind of a, a 101 Q&A that sometimes happen in class, happens in classes. It was a real deep dive. That's so helpful. Yes. And just I really I really appreciate the classes that still do that and especially the classes that were making time for that um, during the first year of the pandemic because so important. And so, yeah, so I built my first studio like just a comforter on a closet. Uh, what is that called? Coat? How wide? I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> oh, like the bar in the closet? Yes, the, the thing that we hang the clothes on. Um, hung a comforter over that, surrounded it. Um, and then I think I used like the the foam from my HelloFresh boxes to line the door. It was falling apart. Um, I made it work. That was really just for my commercial demo. And then I moved. And then my first booth that was for like the first four months of me auditioning full time where I recorded my first two commercial spots in was a closet that was a foot and a half, I think, by two feet. So literally just me standing up with Mike right to face. It was deeply uncomfortable. I did get neck pain. (laughs) Um, And I definitely learned a lot about what I wanted my future booth to be. Um, Super duper tidy, but I, I still found a way to to gesture because I, I literally can't do voiceover without moving my hands. There's just absolutely no way. That's a good thing, I think. I think so. Yeah, I really I've really taken that that note to heart of like use your face and use your hands. I'm like, I'm Italian. There's like no way I can't do that. So, yeah. Let's see. So that was my first booth. And then I built a really cool booth um, with the help of the amazing Frank Verderosa in my next apartment um, in which I had a closet that was a long kind of skinny rectangle, maybe like a foot and a half by like seven feet. So not helpful in terms of those seven feet. And so he had this idea to actually have the closet doors open, line the whole closet with foam, including the doors, and then put a ceiling track up in front of the closet so that I could draw curtains made of producer's choice blankets around me. Mm. So it was like an open closet within a producer's choice blanket booth and it sounded really good and I I was very impressed with like how it ended up sounding and he was just so helpful and sending me you know links to all the stuff that I needed so I was in there for about a year and then I was in another apartment and did like a a three foot by two foot booth and then I moved again life has been wild for me during the pandemic and now I am in my fifth booth they're always called Ruthie Ruthie the boothie so I am in Ruthie five right now and Ruthie is a sweet three feet by five feet I'm stretching right now I'm doing like a warrior two as we speak and it feels amazing It's just great to have space. Um, And yeah, fully lined with foam. Got a blanket on the wall. I have like a a tie-dye pastel shag rug that's giving very Lisa Frank vibes, twinkle lights. Yes. I got a separate monitor from my laptop. I've worked very hard to make my booth the most accessible, comfortable space ever. Anytime I do something and I'm like, that's annoying. I'm like, we're fixing that. Add it to the list. (laughs) So I want everything to be convenient. 
For those listening, Frank does these amazing consultations. He was actually my first guest for season two when everybody that I interviewed was behind the mic. Um, So I'll link his episode because it's got tons of helpful information. But you can book a consult with him and he listens to raw audio that you send him. And then he does Zoom. And my husband is a sound engineer. Listeners who have listened before will be like, yes, we know. But if you're new to the podcast, um, he has been the one to kind of help me with all of my iterations of booths. And when the pandemic hit, you know, it was like, I know my booth is great, but I just want to make doubly sure because now I have no choice. And so I booked a consult with him, too. So even if you're someone who's not starting out, if you, you know, if you if you feel like you're maybe getting a little bit stale in the booth and you just want to double check and make sure your sound is still top notch, I highly, highly suggest booking a consult with him because he's just so wonderful and lovely, but also just so helpful. And at this point, I think he said he's helped literally hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, tweak their space, build a space from nothing. So it's good to have that extra kind of expert ear on things, especially nowadays when we have to be in our home studios. Yeah, he is amazing. And what I love about the help that he gave me initially with like a full booth consult is he taught me things that then I literally could take with me and build. I used that knowledge to build my next two booths. So I didn't have to do a full consultation again with my next two booths. I was like, oh, OK, that, this is what we did with Frank. You know, he recommends like base traps here in the corner and like taught me this, this and that. And like these products are good. And I had all those products still. And so then I could just book him for a 15 minute like, hey, just like want to make sure this sounds good. And I've done those two 15 minute ones with him twice now where he's like, yep, sounds great. Um, But the first time my mic was backwards and I wouldn't have known that if it weren't for Frank. (laughs) But yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, you know, I think the voice actor of the past maybe didn't even need to worry about it. But now it is absolutely essential that you have some knowledge of equipment, of tech. And if you don't know, just please seek help. Nothing to be ashamed of, you know, or if it's not the mic, it's something else. And, and you know, just to have that expert ear is really helpful. And I, I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask if you like how you transitioned from each of the booths. Were you like kind of starting from scratch each time? But I love that you had, you know, some new knowledge to assist you. Yeah. Now, actually, I have an excess of blankets and tiles. So I just kind of like stack them on the shelf above me as extra padding. So I, I, I'm ready to make a whole other booth. <laughs> And I think it's great to hear, you know, a lot of people that I've interviewed haven't moved as much as you and have sort of been like booth or space one and then upgrade version and that's it. So I love to hear that you were able to not get too overwhelmed that you had to stop, you know, or or take a break that you were able to say like, nope, okay, new space. Here we go. We're doing it. How are we going to make it work? Um, You know, I think that's super important because I think people get so hung up on like, I mean, even I still get hung up on like, am I in the exact right spot? Like I need to mark the floor and make sure I'm exactly the right distance from the mic. And I think it's good to to hear that you you had to be flexible and you made it work. Thank you. Honestly, it was my experience as an office manager fixing tech problems for an office that really instilled that confidence in me. I am by no means a tech whiz at all, but being the main point of contact when Wi-Fi goes down or the printer goes down and people are stressed or their laptop isn't working and me just having to be like, all right, this is Tuesday at 1 p.m. I have this thing due, but we're going to figure this out and we can always figure it out. And having that happen so many times and build that confidence, you're not my enemy. I can figure this out. There 
is an answer on the other side. There is an answer somewhere. And we we got this. So I don't know. To everyone out there, you got this. It is overwhelming. And again, like, just ask. Just help help yourself by looking up a YouTube video, posting in a Facebook group, or or seeking somebody, you know, and, and booking that consult. Because a lot of people, not just Frank, there are others as well that, that do these consults, and they're not terribly expensive. So it's totally worth it for your own, like, exhale and peace of mind. Completely. Or like one of the best investments of my career has been a $40 GVAA webinar on Audacity. And, you know, I'm hoping to like transfer to Reaper soon. But just this two hour webinar taught me so much workflow optimization stuff, keyboard shortcuts that just made my auditioning life so much faster, so much quicker. Just these small things that I would get hung up on. And now it's just like in my fingers, like replacing breaths and punch and roll and all of that. And I hope to transfer those skills to a new DAW one day, especially for like long form projects. But just sometimes like invest in that webinar. There is so much information out there. I think especially now with COVID, it's like exponential, the amount of of webinars that are either available live or pre-recorded or, you know, all that stuff that's so accessible now that you could just Google like Audacity webinar and there something will come up. Yeah, there and it it can be overwhelming with, you know, how many videos there can be on YouTube, but just start and just know you, lit- you you're never going to watch everything and you shouldn't. You should then like go outside and take a walk. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like just just start, I don't know, has been such a a theme for me at so many points in my voiceover journey. Yeah. So I saw on Instagram that you just finished an audiobook. So tell us about that experience. I did. I just finished my first audiobook for Audible, which is just a little still wild to me. And it was pretty magic because a wonderful uh, producer from Audible just popped into my inbox and was like, hey, like I came across your website and I think your voice would be great for this audiobook called The Many Half-Lived Lives of Sam Sylvester by Maya McGregor. The story centers a non-binary autistic teen solving a mystery in their town and we think you'd be great want to send us an audition and I was like sure so cool and I have not done audiobooks at all so it definitely you know always audition with confidence but I definitely was like "Eh, it's probably not gonna work out for me and then it did and that's always a lovely feeling (laughs) um yeah they were like the author loved your audition and 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 Maya has let me know that within uh like 15 seconds they were like yep that's that's Sam um except Maya is Scottish and so they say it in their beautiful Scottish voice um so it's even better um so yeah I I jumped in I was really nervous you know I haven't done a lot of long form projects um same actually really oh my gosh I didn't I didn't realize that I was like Stephanie does everything under the sun (laughs) no it's funny I feel like there's a misconception not just from you but just in general like if you've been in voiceover for a while you must do like all the things and I have stated many times that I have never done an audiobook I don't think I ever want to or will it has to be I mean it would really have to be like the right project. Like, I feel like this was the right project for you to kind of jump in and feel like you could do it. Completely. Because also, I only had to be the talent. And that has always been the biggest thing for me. That was my next question. 
you know, I, I, I think I even made an ACX profile at one point and I was like, no, I can't. I can't do this, especially the auditioning, because I was auditioning for, you know, a lot of commercials and explainers. And I'm like, I'm sorry, this audition is how long? <laughs> I just I, I didn't have the passion for all of literature to do that. But when an amazing, like, queer and non-binary book falls into my lap and I only have to be the narrator, yes, definitely. <laughs> so how, how long did it take you to record? 36 hours. And it was a 10-hour book, uh, finished 10 hours. Okay. And then how many, how long were your sessions? Six hours. And that was hard. Wow. Yeah. See, I don't think I could do it. Mentally or physically. The first one wrecked me. I put my entire social life on pause. Um, it was, it was like February and March, so that was fine winter-wise. <laughs> Everyone was in their cave. Honestly, the hardest part for me was the prep. I had a really hard time sitting down and doing that amount of, you know, homework. And then I also really wanted to do a good job. So I labeled every character in a different color, which I know a lot of, you know, experienced narrators like they don't need to do. But I was like, I'm covering all my bases when it comes to this page where there are five different voices. Like I want a quick visual that's like, OK, we got blue and then we got pink and then we got purple. <laughs> um, so I did a lot of prep and that honestly was the hardest part. But then the sessions, they were hard, but they were just magic. Like. I feel so close to this protagonist, Sam, um, who uses they, them pronouns. And so much of Sam's experience with gender resonated with my own. It felt so, I don't know, felt like like a special kind of home uh, reading something that I'd never read before, um, you know, a non-binary young person making friends with a huge group of queer people. And really, I just thought about all my friends as I voiced uh, these young people. I told my friends, I'm like, I'm just literally going to steal all of your voices. But it was just really special to to be voicing conversations between queer young people about, about astrology. I'm like, this, this is what I want to see in the world because this is what I do on my weekend. And it was just it was really special. My director, um, I hope I say her last name right, Sarah Pagluica. Sorry, Sarah, if I butchered your last name. But Sarah at Audible, who's a producer and who is like such a um, she so advances queer literature and queer YA and she's just doing so many amazing things over there. Um, she just gently guided me through it. And I don't know, it was it was all, it was it was honestly like a sacred experience. It sounds like it. It sounds like it was so moving for you to be able to do that. And I love that it was on such a high level that you were able to actually enjoy it and you weren't like, oh, my God, I have to edit this now and this is not fun anymore. Like, I love that you were able to just do the thing and, and enjoy the the storytelling. Yeah, it was just it was a powerfully intense experience, literally, while like news is coming out about like banning young people from talking about being queer or trans in schools and banning LGBT books. And I'm like, this book might be banned in some states in schools. And it was just a lot of things on a micro and macro level to to read this this book about that's all about this young person 
just being able to fully live and fully breathe and fully be themselves and has an amazing father, which is awesome because we don't get that a lot in queer stories. We get a lot of family trauma and like there's definitely conflict and like trauma, but like the dad is so good. And I'm so excited for parents to read this book as well as just such a great example of like unconditional support and love for their non-binary and queer kid. Yeah. And I guess sort of technically speaking, for for people who are interested in audiobooks who maybe haven't done one um, at all or who haven't done one with a company like Audible who's got, you know, the editor and the director, I would love to know, like, literally how did the session run? Like, you sign on, you say hello, and you jump in. Obviously, you know, do you just go until somebody stops you? Is there a direction given for each page? Like, I'm so curious how it all worked. I had the same questions. <laughs> and honestly, what I was so pleased to find out was that, you know, it was hopping on. We did it on Source Connect. So got on Source Connect and we had an engineer and we had my director, Sarah. And literally she was like, all right, you can jump in. And I was I was like, oh, oh OK, OK, chapter one. No, I didn't say it like that. <laughs> um, but it was kind of wild to me that we we didn't really do a, a lot of debrief. We I will say me, Sarah and Maya, the author, we had met uh, twice um, over Zoom. So that was also a really beautiful experience uh, to talk with Maya about just all things like where the book came from, how it resonated with their experience, because um, the author is non-binary, queer and autistic. And so just all the things that they put into the book and and just, I don't know, what, what the book meant to them and, and the different kind of arcs and messages. And 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 really, like, so much of our, our conversations were personal and full of laughter. And, and, and also, there there's a lot of queer cartoons mentioned in the book. And I'm like, what is the universe? <laughs> like, this book mentions Steven Universe. This book mentions She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, which is my other favorite queer cartoon. Um, and so it really all just felt like kismet. So I just, I felt very confident in like, yeah, I, I I know what what Maya, I know some at least of what Maya is trying to convey with the story. And yeah, so we just kind of jumped in and it was a, a reading until kind of reading until it was time for me to take a break. And I would definitely personally like, you know, read a paragraph take a drink of water, clear my throat, like I would kind of stop on my own. And and honestly, like I felt more confident doing that throughout. So for all beginning narrators, like drink your water, like clear your throat, like do what you got to do. Because um, I, I definitely felt nervous in the beginning of like, ah, I just got to keep going. Like, no, that will don't don't do that because then that will impact the text and you're a human. But honestly, Sarah didn't stop me a lot. I would stop myself more and especially at the end of each chapter, I would be like, did, did that land? And she's like, yeah, that was beautiful. Um, or sometimes I'd be like, how how was that um, that line there? And she's like, why don't why don't we do another take just to have another option? Um, and every time I did start a new character voice, I would kind of just be like, all right, this is what I'm thinking. You stop me if it's not good. And honestly, she really trusted my instincts, which meant a lot. Oh, I came in with a big table um, that I had alongside the PDF of the book that was all marked up with my colors that I did on my iPad with my Apple Pencil. And on my chart was a list of characters, their vocal qualities, and then a few notes about personality 
personality. So as I was going through and it was in order of their appearance, um, especially when it came to like side characters and I'd be like, what was I thinking for the principal? Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, so that was really helpful to have. Um, and then also I, I mentioned this in my Instagram post, um, halfway through the book, I really, I don't know. I was just like, I, I need a, a personal motivation for this. Um, who am I reading this to, you know, as a lot of audiobook narrators answer. And I was like, I'm totally reading this to like the younger queer selves of me and my brother, who is gay and lovely and wonderful. And so I had a bunch of pictures of us as little kids up um, for the entire 36 hours that I was narrating. That's so sweet. I love that. And that was really lovely and helpful and grounding um, and and meaningful because uh, it just reminded me that everything that I was doing and everything I literally do is just like about making LGBTQ people feel less alone is kind of like my main mission in life. Yeah, which I think is an awesome segue to kind of talk about what this industry is for someone like yourself who's non-binary, who, you know, is a member of the LGBTQ community, because I think there's been a massive shift over the years. And even a few years ago, before the pandemic, like even even just five years ago, auditions didn't say male, female, non-binary or anything like that. I guess especially as someone who is kind of coming into it a little bit sort of after or during, I guess, during the shift, you know, kind of what your thoughts are and, and how you've what your experience has been in the industry as someone who is non-binary. Uh. I love talking about this and there's so much to say. So where where to start? Well, yeah, I think that is a great point about my timeline as that I started you know, being a full-time voice actor in fall of 2020. So I have nothing to compare it to and and I totally believe that things have gotten better and it's been tough and and I I definitely want to be honest about that and and you know speaking from speaking from my personal experience I cannot really speak for anyone else but you know it hasn't been terrible you know I I don't get macroaggressions but microaggressions abound and and basically just the majority of people I interact with in the voiceover world are straight and cisgender and a lot of them just don't fully understand how to create spaces that are inclusive for non-binary people. Um, and it's not shocking to me at all because do we learn that in any of our education, you know, systems? No. Um, and a lot of people don't go and seek that information for themselves if they don't have to, if they don't have, you know, someone directly in their life. Um, and particularly when it comes to non-binary people, maybe they're a little bit better with inclusive language for, you know, gay people, lesbians, bisexual people. But maybe the, in, when it comes to, you know, marginalized genders like trans people, people and non-binary people there there I noticed that there just isn't that that competency there um so you know I don't see a lot of people sharing pronouns particularly like in in any sort of like class like voiceover class or social spaces which just struck me as so odd because it's just everywhere else in my life not even just like explicitly queer things I, I just feel like that has come into the culture um so dominantly but also I'm coming from a place of like social justice nonprofit so right I was gonna say I wonder if if that would have been your same experience if you were in a different 
profession, you know, prior to voiceover. Yeah, I've still been in a lot of places that are like thinking about identity and being inclusive. And and so, yeah, I don't see a lot of pronoun sharing. Um, I get misgendered a lot. You know, I use they, them pronouns. And actually for six years, I used they and she pronouns. And my experience with in the voiceover industry was 90% of people using she um, and just kind of putting it out there for anyone who, you know, doesn't fully maybe understand multiple pronouns. You know, some people uh, use she and they pronouns or he and they pronouns. And sometimes they'll put the they first to kind of say like, hey, like they is kind of my my primary or like I like they majority of the time. And and it's it's an and it's not an or. And and I've I've been surprised to talk with people where they're like, oh, I I just thought it was like a choice and and I, I've known you as a, a she, so, you know, I thought I'd choose that. And I'm like, well, like if I wanted she, her 100 percent of the time, then it would be she, her. Thank you for sharing this, by the way. This is awesome. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I hope I I, I didn't want to come off in any way saying this, but I'm like, I just know people people need to talk about this. <laughs> and so with multiple pronouns, just like they are all there for a reason and as someone who used multiple pronouns for six years, I noticed when someone 100% of the time only used she and it and it confused me and it hurt um, and it and it made me feel like too much and too confusing or, or not not worthy of that um, trying. But yeah, and, and I, I did recently actually like voicing the audiobook like was a part of my journey of like, I want just they them. I'm I'm like... I feel the best when people use they, them, and I want to hear they in every space of my life. And it, it, it fills me up with, with gender euphoria and joy. Um, and that has been a challenging shift, too, because now do I correct people? Do I, do I tell my clients? Do, do I tell my agents to intro me with my pronouns are questions that I think about. Um, and I don't have all the answers yet because, you know, I, I'm loud and proud and I love, gosh, I love my gender and my, and all things that make me up. But there still is this feeling I have, as I alluded to, of a feeling like an anomaly, a feeling like a burden, a feeling like too much, like a trend, just too much for the space, especially when it's like, okay, I have auditioned. They asked me for my availability. I was on hold. I got it. Okay, we had a source connect test. Now we're in the session. Now we are here voicing this 15 second car commercial that's supposed to have a sexy but winky tone and there's something there holding me back from being like and my pronouns are they them by the way (laughs) you know right this I'm so thrilled that you're sharing this because I do think it is not talked about and it is as someone who doesn't experience this I'm even just the, this little bit of conversation is like, oh, gosh, right. Like, I jump into a session. I'm like, hey, guys, let's go. What an interesting thing to to bring to light that, like, for someone like yourself, it just might not be as easy to just kind of go. There's, like, another thing, another layer that you're thinking about. Yeah, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, being being the best talent I can so that this client, like, says good things about me feels good comes back and all that and and I I've been struggling uh frankly with just 
oh, is it going to make them nervous because there's too many experiences with people that are like, oh, yeah, oh, it's just so hard. Like, I'm, I'm working on it. But like, just so you know, I'm going to mess up. The amount of times people have told me that they're going to mess up. I'm like, you just I don't you don't you don't need to tell me that. Right. <laughs> like, oh, that's so frustrating. Right. Like, I'm like, I I, I was about to say I get it, but I don't. Um yeah, people just get get nervous. So I wish some people would do go that that extra mile a little bit. And then also um, kind of a big thing I come up against is just how people talk about gender in, in all the conversations that I have in all these voiceover spaces. Gender comes up a lot. And so it's just hearing phrases like um, both genders, opposite genders, the two genders, and just, you know, another kind of putting it out there thing, like, would love for the phrase all genders to just really get more and more into our lexicon, because that's what it is. There are more than two genders, and there have been for, like, all of time across cultures, and that was such a beautiful truth for me to learn. Like, across cultures, there have been non-binary genders, there have been queer people, and honestly, white supremacy and colonization is responsible for wiping out non-binary genders in cultures of color. So we're all learning and we're all like trying to be better people. So this is just another tool to put in your your toolkit of there. When we're talking about gender, there's not just two and they're not opposite. And there there's no there's no set list of anything associated with any gender. And I I mean, I definitely know women in the voiceover industry get that. Any gender can look like anything and sound like anything. So that is another big thing that there is no non-binary sound. And I was really surprised when I came into the industry to talk with people, teachers, coaches, agents, casting directors, where there was still kind of this notion of like searching for a non-binary sound, which just boggles my mind again because I'm like, hello, human diversity. Not all women sound like one thing. Not all men. Not all non-binary people. It, this is so funny because my next question is, I literally wrote, stupid question. I'm not really sure how to ask this. When specs say non-binary, are they looking for someone who sounds neither male nor female, as in a more gender-neutral voice? In general, do you think that that's kind of the misconception, that if you're non-binary, you neither sound male nor female, but you sound quite feminine to my ear because you happen to have a voice that matches the sort of norm of what a youthful woman sounds like? Totally. Like, my voice is bright and twinkly and expressive and melodic in a mid to high range. And I can lower it if I want. But, <laughs> like, it lives up here. And my voice sounds non-binary because I am non-binary. And so, yeah, breaking down, you know, ideas of, you know, there's a, a lovely phrase in the non-binary community, non-binary people do not owe you androgyny, not in terms of expression and how we look and not in terms of voice. And and personally, I just don't think there is a gender neutral voice because I think it's all like a beautiful, big, diverse spectrum. And I don't know, even if you showed me a voice where it was like, see, we, we found one, it just would feel weird still because 
I just I guess I just don't understand that goal ever. I just think there is a literal beautiful rainbow of voices and how someone describes their voice in terms of gender is deeply personal um, because personally, like I totally understand what you mean and, and what what I know, like people mean and hear when they're like, yeah, you're there. My voice like lives in a feminine space. But for me, my voice like doesn't feel feminine because I don't associate that kind of gender expression trait with it. So it's 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 a very and so what I would love to move towards is describing voices in terms of vocal quality. Like for example, there's also a lovely problematic casting thing of like, hey, so we would like love a gay voice and it's like what are you talking about? Do you want vocal fry? Do you want you want low to mid to high range? Like give me some celebrity references. Are we talking Jonathan Van Ness? Are we talking, you know, Tim Gunn? Like you know, what are we doing, Billy Porter? Like, just expand upon what you're actually talking about and don't veer into stereotype. Make sure you're not, like, completely casting from a place of stereotype to begin with. It is amazing that there are so many queer men with incredible voices. And and so moving towards a place where we can just describe what we're looking for and not associate, like, an identity with just broad stroking, like this quality of voice. Um, Because the term gender neutral, it really, it really gets me. I don't know if it's entirely helpful and productive. And again, I hope we can move away from that. Because in general, I'm like, no one sounds like one thing. And it's and it's also frustrating that there is a there are still expectations of this is what a woman sounds like and this is what a man sounds like. But there is so much diversity in what both cis and trans women sound like and what both cis and trans men sound like, um, you know, across across it all. There is diversity. It seems like there's just still so much work to do in the nuance of it. Like right now, it feels like, hey, hey, everybody, we put non-binary in, but, you know, we're not quite there. You know, we still need we still have work to do. We still have have little steps to take before we can just say, "Okay, great. Thanks for putting that in. Yeah, because I I appreciate the intention with the castings that say male, female and non-binary. But what I actually like a little bit, what I like more is open to all genders because non-binary, there's a misconception that it's this third gender and it's actually an umbrella term. It's an umbrella term for so many non-genders that are outside of the binary. So non-binary is kind of like my big term, but like my close to home term is I'm gender fluid. And that's actually what I used for, for many, many years because when I was exploring my gender, I'm like, this this is what actually it feels like for me because I I had met a lot of non-binary people that are like for me non-binary is not man not woman not male not female that's what it is to me and I'm like me it feels rather than a negation a an all and exploring through the waters of gender and 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 sometimes then people confuse gender fluid with like one day you're this, one day you're that. And for some people, it it is as well. Basically, just like talk to people and get to know people is like the secret of life. Um, but basically, I I also it, it's hard to come. It's hard to come up against this misconception that non-binary is also one monolithic gender and it's a third gender. Um, 
when one there's more than three genders and and it actually is like an expansive umbrella term and there's gender queer people there's agender people and and so i think all genders is a great term because there really are a lot of genders and i know that really scares the conservative crowd but like it's it's going to be okay we just we have a lot of diversity and that's really really beautiful yeah absolutely and i would love to know You know, do you specifically seek out if you can, I guess, like, do you seek out those auditions where it feels like those terms and values are really something that you align with? I definitely market myself in a way where I am trying to bring voice buyers to me who are seeking either characters that identify as non-binary or queer um, or gender fluid um, or kind of those are my three three big terms, um, or bisexual. But yeah, so voice seekers seeking characters who identify um, as these identities that I resonate with or are seeking a non-binary actor for the right reasons. And Mm. so, like, for the audiobook, they're like, we want, like... You know, yes, there are characters in this book that are not non-binary, but the protagonist is non-binary. And we would definitely the the non-binary author has requested a non-binary narrator or I get beautiful, lovely emails for just a lot of like pride content for political stuff for stuff that is supporting the lgbtq community um i recently voiced a psa for the trevor project that was really magical especially because i worked there six years ago as a crisis counselor for lgbtq youth and they did not know i worked there when they cast me and that felt really cool that's awesome yeah so there are a lot of reasons to seek you know, an LGBTQ plus um, talent or a non-binary talent or a trans talent, not for character work that I think are for very legitimate reasons that we want someone of this identity to voice this this message um, that that has something to do with that identity. And and that's something that I I I think casting directors and agents are catching on to that because I had I had a, a former manager say to me once, like, well, I don't think there's a non-binary sound. And it was in this tone of like, and so it doesn't matter. And I'm like, I agree with you. And it is important that people know that I am a non-binary voice actor and that there are opportunities for me across genres because there should be, just like there are specific opportunities for all marginalized identities because voiceover is all about humans telling stories and talking to other humans. So identities come up and personal things come up and it makes sense for, you know, content would be like, we would like a woman, we would like a person of color to represent, you know, this amazing message. So I don't want to say that it's brave of you to live in your truth and market yourself authentically, but that feels like the way to phrase this so I appreciate that because there is there is definitely a risk that comes with that so thank you (laughs) yeah but it's true I mean I think it's you've you've brought to light so many uh, again of like the nuances of of this and I think that's that's so important for everybody to realize and for people who are out there who may be listening who are like you in you know and and identify with your story in some way that that I love that you say that, you know, you're seeking out those buyers who are interested in what you have to offer because that's, you know, in voiceover now, everything is like authentic, authentic, authentic. I imagine that that's not always easy. 
It was a really intense personal conversation with myself um, that I had about all of this when I got into voiceover of how out am I going to be? And and honestly, prior to voiceover, I was a little more private about my gender because it's scary, because I live in a world, one, where just, you know, I occasionally get harassed because of the way I look, you know, I expression-wise, I, I am a gender non-conforming person. Um, and then there are scary people on the internet. And then just the sense of like, okay, that's a it's a little too much with the with the you're queer and non-binary with the they them, that's a little too much. But it was a really intense personal conversation, especially like creating my website and creating like my voice one, two, three profile, creating my email signature, you know, where to put my pronouns and and where where to put gender fluid and non-binary like it has been a journey and I definitely started out a bit slow and then I got I got simultaneously more confident and angrier of just like Mm. f this I I literally love who I am and I love my community so much and I am never happier than when I am surrounded by queer and trans and non-binary people because they're freaking magical and I want to be myself and I want to voice things that are serving my community and serving other marginalized communities. So I really like kind of slowly shifted to just being more and more out more like in all these different ways of how I I've got my pronouns everywhere, like all over my website. I am non-binary and gender fluid, and I feel comfortable voicing uh, roles across the gender spectrum for women and non-binary folks. That sentence has taken me a long, long time. Um, Because also, if if I only auditioned for things that said non-binary, I wouldn't be able to work. And also personally for myself, like I am auditioning for roles for women from an authentic place as well because for me my gender fluidity there is a woman space in there it's just like within all of these beautiful fluid waters of gender um and so that's another nuance that's really hard to communicate to people because again people think like non-binary automatically means this third gender that is like a, a no gender and like that's not exactly what it means for me um so yeah getting getting that language together that is so personal and I primarily use gender fluid when I came in a voiceover but the voiceover industry kind of forced me to reckon with my relationship with the term non-binary because that's the only term they use and so I really couldn't successfully market myself only only using gender fluid, even if that's the term that feels the best for me. But honestly, it did, you know, put me on a journey to actually like forge a really healthy relationship with the term non-binary and and do more research and 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 see people out there that that identify as non-binary and use it in all sorts of it, it means means different things to different people and kind of figuring out my relationship with it. Um, but I am very aware that like I The internet is not a safe place. There are very scary people. And I, you know, since I started my career, I've already done things to just try to protect myself. I look at every single person who follows me on Instagram and I definitely blocked people who have like a questionable bio (laughs) because I'm like, I don't need you. I know. I mean, I I made two separate profiles because I did not want to show my daughter on Instagram on my my um, professional page. I don't show her face and I don't say her name. 
uh, because the internet is weird. Yes. And I do I do the same. Like anything that's like a little questionable, I'm like, eh, no thanks. Because you do have to protect yourself in, in a way that feels, you know, you're still open and like sharing and voiceover's awesome. But then it's like, it gets weird out there. <laughs> it's real. And I, I respect what everyone has to do, particularly anyone who is marginalized on the internet. The internet is not kind to women. So yeah, it's just kind of figuring out that whole thing. But voiceover has really like forced me to be really confident and really just, yeah, this is, this is, this is who I am. And I can handle whatever comes my way, which I that has not always been a experience for me. I I have anxiety. I'm I'm full of fear. So I I don't want people being mean to me, but voiceover has definitely instilled a lot of confidence in me. This has been such a truly like remarkable and eye-opening and important conversation. So, uh, do you have any last thoughts that you want to share with our listeners? Just like get to know people, you know? <laughs> there's there's no golden rule and that like applies to literally everything and the voiceover community is so freaking magical like I know I talked about a lot of challenges but like let me just say I have met so many amazing allies that are like doing the work and like make me feel safe and then I have met so many amazing queer and non-binary and trans voice actors who are just out there being themselves and inspiring me. So get to know people and be open and be open to what you don't know. And if you ever find yourself being like, oh, I don't get that, please do a Google, please. Um, But also, I did want to mention that I think I'm about to manifest a dream of mine. I want to create um, an LGBTQ 101 for voice actors. (gasps) Yes. Based on everything we've been talking about, because I got my degree in gender studies. Like, I got to sit in the classroom and, like, learn all of this. I've been in, you know, trainings for like an LGBTQ lifeline. Like it's such valuable information that is out there, but we don't get. And so I was like, what if I just like taught a webinar where, you know, I kind of went through LGBTQ 101 and that did something around like exploring like gender, sexuality and voice, because we can all benefit from thinking about our voice and our acting and our craft in terms of our personal identities of gender and sexuality please make this happen and then send it to all of your clients and then we'll all share it with all of our clients because it is such an important conversation and I feel like who who better to do it than someone who's not only living the experience but who has the like academic know-how to back it up so yeah I'm, I'm in full support of this well thank you so much for sharing so openly and and for really enlightening us about so many of the different you know components and aspects of of the industry from your perspective. I really, really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for just creating a space that felt super comfortable to do that in. And thank you for this podcast. I have listened to so much of it, especially while like gluing foam to my walls. So just thank you. Because Allegra shared so many thoughtful, insightful, vulnerable things during this interview, I actually had trouble picking out what to highlight in this wrap-up. So I'll simply say once again that I truly appreciate the chance to have this open conversation, and I hope that Allegra does move forward with the idea for their workshop. If it happens, I will definitely post about it, so please make sure you're following myself and Allegra on social media, all linked in the show notes. Till then, it would be awesome if you shared this episode with a voiceover colleague or even a client. 
Also in the show notes are some resources that Allegra compiled if you'd like to learn more about ways you can help and be an ally to the non-binary, trans, and LGBTQ community as a whole. So please check those out as well at makingittothemic.com. I'll be taking a short break next week, so stay tuned for more episodes after that. Thanks so much for listening to Making It to the Mic.